ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of your second favorite podcast. I'm here with the usual suspects, Justin and Garrick. What's Gabe good? had to do school or whatever kids do nowadays. Yeah. What up? Go uh, get a degree and get smarter, whatever. <laughs> um, but today we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Colin Young of Twitching Tongues and God's Hate fame. How you doing, man? Wonderful. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. All right. What oh, I got a question. What's yeah. what's what are, what's the listener's first favorite podcast if this is the second? That's a good question. I think I'm I'm pretty sure it's like your mom's house or something. That was like <laughs> our demographic is either your mom's house or like yeah. Joe Rogan or some stupid stuff like that. Mo- we like for the demographic is like comedy podcast. We like for ourselves to be their first favorite podcast, but you know, but we're, we're most likely not. We're self-deprecating like <laughs> You'll that, get so. there. Maybe maybe after this one. Yeah, yeah. maybe most sure after this one. Yeah, <laughs> Shit, for sure after this one. <laughs> So, well, first of all, congratulations on the new God's Hate album. It sounds incredible. Dude, in, insane. It's, it's nuts. Shit. Yeah. Insane yeah. Stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, n- number eight on the iTunes metal charts, is that right? Yeah, briefly. That that stuff fluctuates so often. I think we're at like 11 now, but still, it's, still when it's still, like Metallica and Tool and us. Yeah, I'll, that's, I'll that's, 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 that's still pretty, pretty high. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's jump, I guess, right into the question so well first i have to ask are you playing drums now or you're still playing guitar yeah i'm fully on drums now oh I, nice I've made, I've made the move one of us well, one of us <laughs> yeah he's a drummer, a drummer so, so yeah <laughs> nice. um so when you guys decided to uh bring on uh alec onto the project is he playing bass now or is he on guitar or or, uh, yeah, he's on bass. He was on guitar briefly, but mm-hmm. then we kind of decided to do the three guitar player thing. Yeah, uh, like for real. That's insane. And figured that it made the most sense for him for him to be on bass. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. For for those of you who don't know, um, Alec is the current bass player for Twitching Tongues, and he brought him on for the the, the new God's Hate stuff. But um, uh, I guess I have to say though, probably God's Hate's best work so far. Like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a Thank huge you. fan of, like, Divine Injustice and Mass Murder, but this record is just crushing. Like, you know, in that terms was of, my like, goal, you know? Yeah. I, it had to be. It had to be to, yeah. to justify its existence five years <laughs> later. You know? exactly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So the the first thing that I've noticed a lot of people talking about was um, on the back of the LP cover, you guys are taking a picture in front of a place called Salsa and Beer and um, yeah. in front of San Fernando Valley. Uh, what makes that? I guess the best restaurant in, I guess, South Fender Valley of the surrounding areas, possibly have ever. Have you ever eaten there? Uh, have I have you not. Eaten there? The food speaks for itself, brother. Oh, okay. okay. I think, I think it, next time we're uh, Yeah, I think we had the idea for that back. It was like before a single song was written, it was like, all right, we're really going to put on for Van Eyes in this one. Yeah. And we're going to take a picture in front of Salsa and Beer. And that was like, before any music was written years ago, that was decided. Oh, for That's sure. Awesome. That's, That's awesome. So <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so right now, uh, you know, I've listened to the album a couple of times, and I've noticed that you guys uh, re-recorded um, uh, "Social Class Warfare" for uh, the new record. What what did like what made you guys decide to do that? Because you know, um, reaching all the way back to the Divine Injustice EP, uh, was that the first thing? Like like were you guys like okay, we're gonna re-record this song, or would that come like kind of at a later time during the actual process of recording and writing the record? No, we knew pretty on that that was pretty early on that that was the one we wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, mostly because. 
uh, we we sprinkle in my vocals there live mm-hmm. in the chorus section, and that's why we decided to like that. Just it seemed like the best bet of any of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if maybe we'll do the other ones down the road, but uh, yeah, it made the most sense since, since that one had like its own key thing that we only did live. Right, right. Uh, that's that. That actually leads me to my next question: is uh, uh, what what uh, made you guys decide to add your cleans to God's Hates Music? Because before it was pretty, you know, uh, straightforward, just yeah. brutal, hardcore. But um, I, when I first heard the album, uh, adding your vocals to the songs that were uh, on the record gave it a, a, a really nice taste, kind of like a... Um, uh, it added a whole nother dynamic level yeah. to the songs. It, it made it sound bigger. It made it sound more. That's um, some complexity to it, basically. Yeah, it was, yeah, and it, it gave it a whole nother dynamic level to to the sound, which made it heavier in a way. Yeah. To where um, it just kind of opened it up to make it sound so much bigger. You know, like I, I keep saying, the record is crushing just because it's not just like heaviness, but just the fact that you guys use such a wide range of, you know, from the riffs to the leads to you know the vocals that you guys recorded or uh, the way that you place them. Um, what, what, who, I guess, whose idea was it, or, or was it kind of just a group thing to, to maybe add your vocals to the songs? Was it, was that like a thing that you did from the beginning or was it kind of like a, like a touch up, like, Hey, we should add some vocals here, add some vocals here, like as you guys are writing the, the record. So you said it, it's dynamic, you know, I, I never like to write the same record twice mm-hmm. ever. So it's like, all right, what can we do in a dynamic way to make this one different and bigger and harder and crazier? And that just kind of was a no-brainer because, um, you know, I, I sang pretty frequently on, not not as frequent as this one, on both other releases so far. Like I've got parts in, in a ton of songs, but th- mm-hmm. on this one it was kind of like we made the active decision to make it like a, blood for blood biohazard type like vocal trade-off record right. where like you you can never get tired of one guy you know it's like <laughs> as, as soon as as soon as one guy might become monotonous the other guy takes over so that like there's always something kind of meant like to to distract your mind mm. from what's happening yeah like, like just, as soon as you're going to tune out somebody else comes in and something else happens and switches it up um, I re- I sh- I looked at the entire music and the, and the lyrics and the the vocals and everything and like a, I broke it all down scientifically and tried to like after writing hardcore music almost exclusively for 15 years I I tried to just subtract everything that I I don't want to hear and add everything I want to hear and that ended up in those those clean parts being there and. Uh, the ones in six feet deep in particular, we were definitely like kind of scared of. Like that's the reason that song isn't a single. You would you would hear that the average listener would hear that and be like, okay, well that's probably the single, right? Uh, but b- because it's kind of that creative departure, it was like, ah, maybe we should just save that for the album. Mm. Uh, the the kind of sole inspiration for that and a band I ride hard for, who a lot of people don't, was Dimu Borgir. Oh, dude! Oh, dude! They're rad. Speaking my language, man. It's it's funny yeah. you say that because um, like I I was on a a big Dimu Borgir like I was a big Dimu Dimu Borgir fan. Excuse me, um, because you know when I was getting into black metal, a lot of my other friends were kind of into black metal as well. They were into like the kind of like you know like oh. Uh, melodic black metal isn't really black metal, blah 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 blah. I'm like, it's it sounds sick, dude. I don't I don't not like I'm not gonna stop listening to them because you know 
because it's like, oh, they're not real black metal. Like I'm a I'm a really big fan of symphonic symphonic metal, like you know, Demo Borgir, Cradle of Filth, uh, Flesh God Apocalypse, that kind of like that sound. Because, you know, when you hear about, you know, death metal bands recording with like full like uh, 48 to 100 plus piece orchestras with the record and you hear it with the songs, it just sounds insane. Like it's it's one of my favorite genres. I love it. It is. It's four dimensional music when okay. everybody else is playing three dimensional music. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Wow. I've actually never heard that expression and before. And it makes it makes the it, at, when you're coming out of something melodic out of nowhere like that, it makes whatever hard thing happens next that much harder. Yeah. Well that's said. A, that's a very good point because if if the song is just like this crushing, unrelenting, you know, thing all the way through, the heavy parts kind of lose their emphasis. So yeah. if you, Mon- it's monotonous. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, but so you got to mix give it up. It a, give them a, give always give them a reason to get to the end is like my first songwriting philosophy. Mm-hmm. Very and good. then and then why does the song exist is the other one. What 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 are we accomplishing here musically, lyrically, everything? What what's the point? Because there's so, there's so many things you listen to where you just go, okay, yeah, that exists. Like, you know, like a lot of movies and TV shows. Okay, that exists. I saw it. I heard it. I don't ever need to see it again. You, you mentioned that wow. that uh, you were writing, um, you know, hardcore, like almost almost exclusively for 15 years. How important do you think it is to incorporate, like, other uh, influences from other genres into uh, the writing process of, of hardcore? That's huge for me now. That's that's what keeps you right trying different shit. Um, like, there's parts on this where that were straight up inspired by Hans Zimmer movie scores and I like see. Bone Thugs songs. So there, like the the more places that you draw from, the more things you're going to be able to do, and the more you remember that there are no rules when writing music, the more successful you're going to be just in terms of your own satisfaction and what you create well said i think this has just turned into a theory like a music theory podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> that's awesome. but that's i don't awesome. know shit about music theory i just <laughs> i just know it's, it's just like the things i've kind of uh slowly figured out and picked up after just doing the same thing for so long yeah right that's awesome that that's that's awesome, and uh, I'm actually glad that that you uh, uh, that you mentioned you know being inspired by movie soundtracks because you have a movie podcast with Alec, right? Yeah, it's called Real Deal. That's awesome. So, oh, I get it's, it. It's kind of a <laughs> <laughs> you said the name, but I didn't put it together. That yeah, um, it's it's uh, uh, do you, I'm I'm actually kind of glad that to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Um, how much of of movie and I guess uh, audiovisual media has inspired uh, not only God's hate but twitching tongues and whatever other projects you've been in? Is that like do you like do you draw inspiration from that? You know when you write lyrics as well, or is it just kind of a an audio thing? It uh, no, it definitely comes into play. Um, I would say that started with the last. I mean no, I mean it's inspired the last like eight things I've done, but the mm. last two in particular, the, uh, the last Russian Tones record. And then this one, mm. uh, that, that was a huge inspiration. Um, there were, there's eternity of hate, the song on the new God's hate record. The lyrics were straight up inspired by that sound clip. Like we heard that and it was like, this is, this is what we're writing about. And that, um, eternity of hate was tentatively the album title, mm. which is why the song God's hate starts with that, uh, that lyric. Um, okay. says Eternity of Hate again. So it's like another, it's a call back to, to what was supposed to be the album title for a minute. And then we decided to make it self-titled. 
But yeah, there are there are we, we look for samples for for years and years and years, and mm. and yeah, it does definitely play into what uh, what we do artistically when it, yeah. with either the music or the lyrics. Yeah, I was going to say it a lot because I, I was listening to your um, first couple albums today in general, and I did notice the amount of samples that you guys do have and how it all really incorporates into almost a story of, of each of the song and stuff like that. It is very interesting to, to hear that. Cause I was like, is that Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> like, yeah. what? It's definitely, it's a good cue to just kind of mentally prepare you for what you're about to hear. 100%. Like, okay, right. here, here's, here's what we're trying to say with this one. Yeah. I in love somebody that, else's yeah. words now. Yeah. It's good. Cause you pre- like some of the songs you prefaced it in the beginning and then the song would end and there would be, you know, something else at the very end that you yeah. would, it would just tie everything yeah. together and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes a yeah. hundred. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. And I, I thought it was hilarious because that was when I, when the 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 day the album dropped. Well, because the album dropped on uh, a Thursday night here, but it dropped like kind of Friday morning everywhere else. And then so when I was at work listening to the record, um, when Valence Limited came on, and you guys used the the Jorge Masvidal sample, yeah, I <laughs> so I hard. took a screenshot and I sent it to them. I was like. Hey, he was Masvidal. This is amazing. Like, I was oh freak. I was geeking over that sound bite. It was hilarious. I was like, this that is so cool. That was definitely one where, where the second he said that in that in that post fight, it was like, <laughs> I texted the whole band. It was like, we Y'all. fucking got one. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yeah, we got him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this motherfucker came out with a three-piece and an album. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, kind of going back to the very beginnings of God's Hate, um, I know that that you know you guys uh, are influenced by a lot of I guess um, East Coast hardcore bands like you know Hatebreed, Marauder, Hundred Demons. What was kind of the idea of of? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, if those are if those are not any of the bands you're influenced by. No, you're correct. Those and 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 then the uh, the Troy core bands like Dying Breed, Stigmata. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, but what what was kind of the idea, you know, um, to to start God's Hate? Because you know I know that you and Taylor are already doing Twitching Tongues pretty pretty heavily. And then um, I believe Anthony was still playing bass for you guys at that time, or was that not uh, yet? He was he was not yet. He wasn't in the band. Not yet, right? Um, so Taylor wasn't in the band until this album either. Um, mm-hmm. So God's Hate came together in a pretty funny way. Um, before the first, before Divine Injustice, I could like kind of play guitar. Like I could write, I could write well enough, and then be like, "Here, Taylor, here's this idea." you play it. Uh, and then he would figure it out and turn it into an actual thing. Mm. And then, uh, I bought a guitar in 2013 and, and Brody had been my best friend for, you know, over a decade. Mm -hmm. So it was like, all right, man, you, you're a big boy. You're six, (laughs) five, you're 300 pounds. You need to sing in a band that you can be proud of. Like, and he was kind of like a, a staple in 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 California hardcore. So it's like, yeah, because he he's on your always, on the on the World War Live album for Sleep Therapy, right? He is, yeah. And that was, uh, I believe that was right at that came out right after Divine Justice. So it was like he had kind of just been established as like a front man again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always cool to me when like the local mainstay hardcore guys that you see moshing and stage diving eventually start bands and then they're awesome here we gotta just um and a couple months later that that seven inch was written the uh, three of the songs were done first and we showed them to justin from closed casket and he was like just just write two more songs and let's just make a seven inch don't you don't need to do a demo let's just do it so that was that was awesome that's Um, awesome 
yeah, that helped a lot. Uh, and then, you know, the lineup changed a little bit by mass murder. And then I kind of, I had a writing partner in Leo and he and I buckled down and wrote the entire thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after he left, it was just like, all right, I could either, I could, we can either stop now and just leave it at that, or I can nut up and try to do this myself mm-hmm. just as a nice challenge. The right. rest, I, I, I chose the latter. Yeah. Like, and then you did. Yeah. <laughs> Went back to the roof. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually cool because I remember the first time I ever heard about Brody was uh, uh, Code Orange did a, a live video in 2014 um, when they played uh, This Is Hardcore, and I remember they opened. Uh, that was actually my first exposure to, Twitch, to, to sorry to Code Orange, other than hearing um, I Am King on like you know the the whatever Spotify station I was on. Like, oh, this is cool, and so I looked them up, and then they opened up with My World. And then uh, Brody did the guest vocals on on My World, and I remember just this behemoth of a human being uh, doing the last part of that song, and then jumping out uh, off the stage and is beating the shit out of everybody in front of the stage. And I'm like, who is this guy? Was he wearing a ski mask and he had a flag too? Mm, he, he had a flag, but he wasn't wearing oh, a ski okay, mask. I he was no. a ski mask. I'm thinking. That. No, he he wore yeah, a ski that, mask that, when, we, when we saw them at the Constellation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a legendary gift now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, just fucking Hulk mad. And then and it, and it's uh, I remember seeing him at um, uh, when you guys played FTC. I think in or uh, I think it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Um, but uh, I remember seeing him come out for for one of the songs, and I just remember him singing from that video. And I, was, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it was it's. I know we we've told this from this podcast before, but uh, but that show that you guys played with Code Orange uh, at the Constellation Room in Anaheim or Santa Ana rather was like to this day top to bottom the most violent show I think we've ever attended. Yeah, it, it, was, it was nuts. So and there were like four am- am- ambulances outside. Yeah, it was crazy. That was the the Sirius XM show, right? Yeah. Yes, oh, that was sponsored. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that that's like thank you. That's like that was like one of that's probably one of my favorite shows to date because it was just top to bottom, like a killer show. It was so good. And I remember that, uh, I believe that was fury. Yeah. Shit. I didn't know they were there. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty sure sure it was lock and fury. It it was, I think think it was was either gag and fury or I think it was lock and fury. I don't remember. That doesn't sound right, but, but, uh, I do remember that show being awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, but uh, so I noticed that you guys have a lot of uh, references to earlier material in the new album. Like um, um, it was cool that, you know, was re-recording Social Class Warfare, but also um, you guys use the Divide and Justice riff at the end of Warman, which was a cool like callback to, to the earlier stuff. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a nice, I, I like a cool little touch. When, when you guys were writing uh, stuff for, for the record, um, did you throw that in kind of like, like as an Easter egg? Like, uh, what 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 made you a reference? I guess to the first EP um, again, Warman. Um, I love to do stuff like that. Uh, I've I've only gotten to do it lyrically before. Right. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple musical callbacks on uh, the last Switching Tongues record to like things that happened earlier in the record, but they're a little bit harder to spot. Right. Um, with the Warman ending. Um, that was just like, we wanted a super chaotic, like extra long mosh part that just 
evolved and evolved and evolved. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of just like where it was on the fretboard was like, all right, it's right here. Let's just throw this in there. Yeah. Uh, We're not not re-recording this one, so we might as well just do this real quick Mm -hmm. as just a quick nod. Hope I, 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 like, I don't know anymore if people even make it to the end of albums. So you kind of just hope that they're going to hear it to begin with. Right. Um, so I'm really glad that the response to that has been like something that people are psyched about. Cause I, again, I had no idea if people were even going to get there. Right. And I've noticed that in hardcore people tend to actually pay attention to records more than any other genre for some reason. I yeah. like, like it's like diehard hip hop fans and hardcore fans like have a, a, a tendency to listen to the whole album more than, you know, uh, a, a rock album, album or a, yeah. uh, like a metal album or a pop album. Like most of the time, it's like either like like really big hip hop fans and hardcore fans that like listen to entire albums, you know, because because it seems it seems yeah, like hip- you know. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. With hip hop, it's crazy. They'll <laughs> they'll drop like a thirty song album at at one in the morning. Yeah, and people will people, know. Like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people know every song by eight a.m. Yeah, yeah literally. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's kind of it's different though because because the music in hip hop, like the actual beat. Mm really means nothing you yeah, know it's exactly. like you're it's rare if you get something where musically you're like yo that is fucking crazy mm-hmm. yeah uh where in hardcore you got it's like you got to write original riffs or at least try to write original riffs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and and kind of what you're saying comes secondary a little bit and with hip-hop it's like what you're saying is everything because you paid a guy 150 bucks for the for the beat under it yeah right exactly um, but you know, it's, it's cool that not to discredit what they do, because <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is very difficult when it's done. Well, it's the coolest shit. You ever. heard it here yeah. first. He hates pop. Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, it's, it's like I said, but it's, it's cool to see that, you know, most of the time, I guess, cause, cause people in hardcore, at least, you know, in our circle of, of hardcore, the people that we know in hardcore, um, they're huge music nerds like we are. So they like listening to the whole album, like picking a party song and like, oh yeah, I like this and this and this. They kind of break down, you know, musically and lyrically. So, yeah. you know, when, when you do throw in like a reference, you know, like, like, a, like a reference to Divine Injustice and War Man, you know, uh, it makes people that get to that part of the album, it's like, it's like a little like, 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 a, like a little treasure that yeah. they're like, oh shit, that's sick. It's an Easter you know? egg. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's an Easter egg. It was funny when it's you said that. Easter egg. You were funny like, oh yeah, I hope people make it to that part of the album. And my first thought was, people don't listen to the whole thing? Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I was no, just like, they, no, hold they on really a don't. That's um, so weird Like, if you, look at the, if you look at the Spotify plays, you'll notice for any any band, they uh-huh. drop off as the album goes on. Right. Right, yeah. It's yeah. like, so like it's usually it's the first five songs or six songs or whatever. Right, yeah. So if those first five songs don't rock, they definitely aren't making it to the end. Yeah. It definitely is. It's it's the music nerds and, and like, like me, you know, I, mm. that's what I grew up doing. It's like, yeah. if I liked something, I was fucking obsessed with it. And I wanted to know every single detail about every single song. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool that, that you're like that too. It's because, you know, especially I guess in, in, you know, um, we made this joke when we looked at the album, it's like the album got progressively like God. more insane as the album continued. So it's like, it, it was not hard to get like because you know because some albums like even if you love the artist you love the band some albums can just be straight up hard hard to get through yeah you know it's because especially Absolutely. especially especially if you know some albums are filled with like you know filler songs or or whatever but there was absolutely none of that there was no filler it was all just you know volume on 110 yeah. 
you know, full speed ahead the whole way, and it just got progressively more and more insane, it, more and more heavy. I was almost like compelled to listen to it more because I'm like, what the fuck is gonna happen next? <laughs> and that, you know, and that. Thank it's, you. It was for like that. it was like uh, a horror the, movie, yeah. you know, <laughs> in, in the and, best way, of course. That comes back. That comes back to justifying every song, mm-hmm. right? And that's the reason it's a ten song album and not a, thir- a ten songs with one old song and an intro and not thirteen or fourteen because it's like I don't want to waste a single second of of anybody's time. Mm. Um, if somebody's going to give me their time, I want to put as much effort into every track as I did into into the single. You know, right? Um, awesome. The purpose of every song is is so important to me now. Um, like it'll be like okay this is the song where this happens mm-hmm. this is the song where we do this like valley beyond will be the the big guest vocal song mm-hmm. uh eternity of hate will be the big kind of lyric heavy crazy pattern chug song uh with the big like death bolt thrower bridge section right uh, like every song has kind of a has a like a unique identifier yeah like a little stick to it uh, yeah, and and I it is kind of tr- like the track listing is aside from Eternity of Hate, which I think was the first full song written. It it's kind of like in order uh in terms of like when it was written. So you can hear the madness in in my mind increasing gradually of just like all right, I'm I'm writing this, I'm writing this, I'm writing this. I'm, I'm, the, yeah. I'm years into writing this. What yeah. the fuck do I do? Um yeah, so that that is interesting that you that. How 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 has your writing process changed between Divine Injustice and now? Because I noticed like like the riffs change too. Because like you know, and I, I've said this to everybody that that'll listen to me, like the 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 riff or the actual song Divine Injustice is, is like one of the hardest riffs ever written, like known to man. Um, but you know, I noticed that progressively as as you know from Divine Injustice to Mass Murder to the self titled album, you know the riffs have evolved and they've changed. What what kind of uh, you know how how has your your way of writing changed from then to now? Well, I would say I kind of wanted to go more primitive. Mm. I, I wanted to, I wanted to regress. I wanted to I wanted to return to monkey uh, musically, <laughs> okay. um, and that I feel like kind of came naturally. Mm. As I've never really improved at guitar since the beginning, mm-hmm. but I've just gotten better at like what I want to hear and what I don't want to hear and kind of right. filtering, filtering the other out. Right. Um, you, you kind of like, like, like tunnel vision kind of narrowed in on what you, what you, what you want to hear from yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and figure out, okay, the, what, this doesn't work here. This does work here. And while also kind of like in, on the seventh, there was definitely some parts where I was probably like, no, nah, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Just, just like for personal reasons, ah, no, like this won't work. Mm-hmm. while remembering now like now nah, there's no rules i can do whatever the fuck i want right right uh, yeah that, that, that was huge just just mentally shutting it off and and accepting that uh i can do whatever i want to do now right it, it, and it's so like it, at least for me you know writing the first release or the first few songs of any new project is just so difficult especially if you if you have something that you've been doing for a long time you know like like if you were in previous bands you try to do something new you have this idea in your head of what you want to sound like and what you like, you know, what you want to do, what you want to uh, achieve with with writing this kind of music, and then you know, once you once you do, you kind of like put yourself in a box. Like, okay, well, I want to sound like this, so I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. But you know, once you kind of get a, a one or two releases in or one or two you know writing sessions, then you're like, you know what, I'm gonna lax up a little bit and see see what you know what comes out of it naturally. 
you know? Yeah, that's that's definitely it. It's, it's, there's a difference between establishing the vibe and developing the vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm, well uh, said. Divine Justice kind of established it as like, okay, here's what we are, here's what we're about, mm-hmm. and then Mass Murder did what Mass Murder did, and then I kind of had to start from scratch artistically. Right. So it was like, all right, I had another person writing this with me, and now it's it's me again. Did you? So, the, ooh, sorry, go for it. Sorry, no, no, you go ahead. No, because you had. You know, two people kind of helping you, and now it's primarily just other way around. Oh, other way around. Sorry, <laughs> but um, did you find that easier or harder to do with? You know, like the the whole like you know less cooks in the kitchen type of thing. Uh, it's definitely harder. Yeah. Um, little a little more pressure, and it's it's harder because I just second guess every part of every song. <laughs> yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Up up until release day, you're like, does this suck? I like, you know, what have I what have I done? I, I, just, I have, especially after Twitching Tongues, you know, like it's such a polarizing band. I, every city, it, every reaction in every city we play is different. So I just have no idea what to expect mm-hmm. creatively ever anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it was definitely like uh, one of the greatest things I've ever felt to see. Kind of like from what I saw was like nearly universal. Uh, acceptance of of this record uh, was was really just a touching thing because it was just like it's been so long of just being like half shit on and half uh, accepted mm-hmm. where that this is it's just nice to win one. That's awesome. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's and you know and it, it's it's funny because when you you're in like you're involved in in so many different genres of music, it's you know it's it's crazy to think that. I guess when when you combine all of those those genres into one like into one project, you know because you know you're in nudie mag, you're in twitching tongues, you're in God's hate. When you have all these things to choose from, you know it's 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 when you just kind of sit down to play, it's difficult to you know write a part and then decide okay well, this goes here this like like what you're gonna be using that for whether it be you know uh, musically lyrically whatever it is. And you're like, well, what fits best? And then once you kind of just like, you know, I'm just going to sit down and write whatever I kind of want to write. And then you kind of deci- decipher what's going to go where. And you kind of just have this freedom to kind of do what you want. It's so much easier to to be creative when you don't have this pressure of trying to please people. You know what I mean? And and so. Oh, my God. That's that's <laughs> it's night and day, man. Yeah, um, I definitely. So disharmony for for us was where that like kind of shocking realization hit us was just like all right we're we're writing this album to like because it, it felt like to us the natural kind of next progression from switching tongues when it turned out to be kind of this reality check of like the people saying no this is not what we wanted uh, uh we do not accept mm-hmm. so it was like oh shit i guess i don't i don't know what, what to do then uh, uh, and then gaining purpose was just like all right here's us writing a record for us and it it went it went well. I mean, it turned out pretty awesome. And but with that killer, killer record, yeah. Thank you. With that, artistically, the songs that I had a hand in are like the ballads and stuff. So mm-hmm. it kind of just like with when I when my mind thinks pushing tongues now, it thinks soft piano driven ballads. Mm-hmm. And Taylor's kind of the heart of the the harder shit there. Right. So when I would would bring like a harder riff to pushing tongues, he would say like that sounds like God's hate. So oh, wow. I, he, we kind of, there came, there came to be this, like uh, this agreement where it was like, all right, if I'm going to write hard shit, it, it kind of makes sense only for God's hate at this point. Cause huh. 
my my writing style has just has turned into a different thing when writing hard music right. and it's like it's basically the transition from ruckus to twitching tongues all over again ruckus was taylor and i's band before twitching tongues mm-hmm. and that's kind of why the 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 twitching tongues demo and sleep therapy aren't as hard as the other stuff is because ruckus was happening concurrently and when we would write like super hard mosh parts we would be like no we can't do that because it sounds like ruckus right and then ruckus kind of phased out and we were like ah we can do whatever we want with twitching tongues fuck it it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um and work i'm kind of in both modes now it's like we can do whatever we want with switching tongues and i can do whatever we want uh, with god's hate so it's like the cycle kind of reversed yeah. in time. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and, and I like, I want to do the softer stuff for switching tones now and, and put all my harder shit into God's sake. That's so cool that, that you're able to kind of, you know, discern between the two where like, you're like, you write something like we can use this and it's like, mm, kind of sounds like this. It's like, Oh shit. Okay. And then you kind of go back to the drawing board. You're like, well, hang on a second. And you have that kind of like that light bulb moment. Like, Oh, Okay. And then, you know, once once you kind of figure that out, like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool that you say that because, you know, listening to, you know, the God's Hate record, the riffs that are on there sound nothing like, you know, uh, Kill For You or like, you know, Forgive and Remember, you know, right. and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's cool to kind of see the contrast between the two, you know, it's, it's especially, you know, knowing that you and Taylor make up uh, a pretty good amount of, of Los Angeles hardcore's most prominent bands, which, which is, which is awesome. Um, but, and also the fact that, you know, when you're, when, when you hear God's hate stuff, it doesn't sound like anything else. Like the influences come through, like same with Twitching Tongues. It doesn't sound like anything. Like you hear the influences when you pick it apart, but when you hear something like, oh, that's God's hate. Oh, that's Twitching Tongues. Like, oh, that's like, like you, like, you know, right away it has this kind of distinct sound and to where, you know, you guys have become an influence in bands that you know, my friends are in or that we're in just because it's, it's become this, this iconic, you know, LA hardcore sound. Man, that's crazy. He's like, how does it feel to own the scene? Yeah, (laughs) definitely, definitely not. I would say my, my, my brother more so as he records every other band, but um, (laughs) I I can't say personally that I, I, I look at it that way, but that, that is crazy to hear because I just think about, you know, as me being a 14 year old kid, uh, 15 years ago, uh, going to shows and couldn't believe all the the local bands and and the older bands and I remember there being rules at the time about like not being influenced by modern bands. Yeah, where it was like, no, you have to stick to the classic stuff because you can't sound like anything modern. Yeah. So that yeah. that kind of always stuck with me this whole time. So to hear that is like that's just cool. That's just another one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I like that people now are knowing that there's no rules and you can do whatever you want. And if yeah. there's something you hear, you hear modern that you that you want to use as influence. And yeah. I feel like it's harder to make it when you only stick to older stuff and you don't bring newer stuff in. You know what I'm saying? Like well, it's, now, it's yeah. possible to do it, but I feel like the people who incorporate all these new sounds and, you know, influences from other music, it's almost just like they succeed quicker and in a different way you know what i'm saying it's more of yeah. like a because it, it's it's easier for other people to get into it who aren't necessarily into you know metal or vice versa or whatever you know yeah yeah i mean and, and it's, it is important to remember i looked at like the the five biggest influences for twitching tones you know uh 
four out of five of them plateaued real early. Like they really, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't go anywhere. So I, I kind of, it was like, Oh, maybe that's why, you know, it, it's turning out the way it is for twitch and tongues because every, the, the, uh, the scientific formula that made us exist really can only do so much. So right. that once I accepted that, it was like, Oh, okay. I can just, look at this for fun now mm-hmm. this doesn't I, I don't need the, to try to make this my career right yeah and, it, and it's cool that you say that because you know going into twitching tongue stuff the difference between sleep therapy and in love there is no law it's you know it still keeps the core elements but it's such a stylistic departure and the dynamic departure from from sleep therapy and you know the insane and humane ep or the the, the seven inch rather and it's it's cool to see that you kind of were like okay well let's let's see what else we can do and then once you started doing that, it's crazy to see how, how like, like where it took you from there, you know? Yeah, the insane part about that is those records were borderline written at the same time. Really? It happened It happened so fast, it was crazy. Uh, the demo was like November 20, 2009. I can't even say 20 because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> 2009, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, November 2009 was the music, and it came out March of the ne- next year. So, so between March 2009, Sleep Therapy was recorded six months later. Wow. Jesus Christ. Came, it didn't actually, the actual street date was like April 2012, but we leaked it ourselves uh, fall 2011 because we wanted to go on tour for people to know the song. Right. Um, so uh, that process was so long of like, getting Sleep Therapy actually out. Like I, it was me like emailing labels sending them the songs and being like, like we don't have anywhere to put this out. Like, please consider this. Mm-hmm. And like, everybody said, no, mm-hmm. like nobody, nobody got it. Uh, 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 but I screamed this dude, Lawrence who put out you know, like Ramallah and a couple other things, mm-hmm. but he got it and he wanted to do it. And he actually just, just signed the rights to the record back to us the other day. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, that that's that's huge. That means we can do some kind of cool like ten year anniversary thing for oh, it. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's cool. And that, there's some things that people have never heard. Like there's a there's a crazy instrumental song we recorded for that that's not on the album. Really? That uh, that we're gonna put out for the first time uh, now that we've got that back. <laughs> so yeah, um, so that was recorded summer 2010. Mm-hmm. So sleep therapy, uh, and we were just immediately writing and love those a whole lot. And the process between the two was so fast. And there are a couple of In Love There's No Law B-sides that didn't make the album mm-hmm. that like really kind of show you the context of, of like, oh, like, oh, I can hear that this is the same band. Mm-hmm. But those were the two songs where we were like, ah, let's maybe don't use these because they're just the other album again. Right. Mm-hmm. That's um, crazy one of them turn, turned into uh, the song TFR on Game Purpose. Really? Yeah, that that goes back to and in love there's no law B side. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a cool thing. Um, yeah, it was such it was it was such a fast thing of just because sleep therapy was kind of written and recorded before we had a full band. Oh. It was just it was just Taylor and I. So like I played drums on that and and Taylor did everything else. Um, <laughs> and then with in love there's no law was when we was like all right now we have our guys. Uh, and we can we can really make this record. Um, so they they you know they played their guitar parts on it. Uh, they did all their leads shit like um, 
So it, it was a, it was a different experience because we finally had a full band. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I I can under like that that's our classic record. I I totally get that. I don't think that we'll ever uh, that Twitching Tongues will ever write another thing that that uh, that is like more near and dear to people's hearts than that one because that's just that's how it is sometimes. Like Madball Road set it off, and then that's that's the one. You know, yeah. well, no matter what they do, that's the one. Yeah, hold it down is amazing, but set it off is set it off. I mean, hey, never say never. Uh, you know, you never know. You know, especially. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say never. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna safely say never. Um, and and I'm, I'm at peace. I'm at full peace with that because uh, that 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 record is the time and place thing. It's just like nothing like that existed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Now it's like par for the course, you know, singing and, and weird shit and songs like the title track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any band can do one of those and nobody bats an eye. But at that time it was like, yo, well, these motherfuckers got to go. They must <laughs> pay for what they're doing to hardcore. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy yeah, so, you say that because, you know, because, because, you know, I'm, I'm a, a huge Twitching Tongues fan. So, like, you know, having even on the podcast is a, is a big thing for me. But, uh, but just hearing you talk about it, the like kind of putting it in perspective and, and hearing you talk about it is insane to me, especially because, you know, the, the first time I ever heard about you guys was, um, right when you guys put out Disharmony, um, I heard the title track and I was like, this is the hardest shit ever like like this is insane because that this the riff in disharmony the first riff in disharmony it's like it's it's a ridiculously crushing riff with the with the drums and yeah i felt the same uh, way i thought <laughs> that's how i felt we wrote that and i was like this is the shit like, yeah. what am, like who won't like this and then it was instantly just like nah i don't like this <laughs> so that it was it was it was baffling to us i i think i see now i like i do i totally get it now because mm-hmm. i can see how different it is mm-hmm. uh like the jump between in love and disharmony is, is pretty catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my vocals are a big part of that mm-hmm. because like a lot of the stuff on disharmony is like slightly out of my range. So mm-hmm. I had to like ah, push myself the entire time. And that kind of gave it that grit that doesn't exist on in love. Right. So it's kind of me being like, okay, I, I sound like this on this record because I have to, right? <laughs> because like I, can't do it any other way for these songs um but that's why those those two the two demo versions that we put out for mm-hmm. there's one for insatiable sin and one for asylum Ave that we put up like a couple years ago like those are fucking sick right they're like, just like way zero. more yeah yeah they're way more raw uh and i i always preferred those versions of those songs uh, mm-hmm. so i i would i would love to put out the whole record demo someday because that it exists Ooh. uh it's just a way more raw uh, just kind of real sounding thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I do see what what people's beef is now, but I, I, hopefully time is kind to that record because uh, I love it. I think it's got some of the coolest shit that that we ever wrote. I agree because it's it's you know when when I I saw you guys that December when you guys played FTC and that popped off like that was insane and people people knew the words to that track. I mean. You know, it was here in L.A., so, you know... Yeah, home, L.A. And, bias, and, yeah. and the Bay Area are, like, the worst gauges for us. Because that's <laughs> no, we normally started every tour in L.A. and the Bay, mm-hmm. and we'd be like, this tour is going to be incredible. The, the, we're set. We're good. And then we'd get to Arizona and be like, oh, fuck. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not translating elsewhere. It stops right. at the yeah, same uh, time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the I, I do remember, was that the For the Children where, where 100 Demons 
or it was like us backtrack hunter Demon. yep that was the one that was the shit that was, that was one the of my fucking favorite shows to, thing ever. To date, one of my favorite shows ever. As a matter of fact, oh, I, think, man, I, think, I think that was my first hardcore show, like, ever. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I think that's so. insane. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's a good first show. Oh, dude, I was soaked because I was really into, like, you know, like, uh, metal and, like, metalcore, like, you know, Throwdown and, and uh, like, Disembodied and, like, stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. um, my friend who lives up in Seattle now, she got me into like God's Hate, Twitching Tongues, and like, you know, um, oh, awesome. Trapped Under Ice and all that stuff like that. So I got into like, you know, hardcore. And then this was in like September. And then three months later, I did like a deep, like head first deep dive. And I was like, give me all the bands ever. So I let everything, everything like expire, backtrack, down to nothing, 100 demons, like, like everything. And then yeah, it was it was basically like somebody's Spotify playlist <laughs> of like what to listen to in in one show. And so it's awesome. and it's funny you say that because in December when they they came up with the lineup in early November, I was like, oh, these are all the bands I listen to. I'm so down to go. <laughs> and, was, and so when I went, I was like, this is probably like at the time because I'd only been to like you know club shows. Like obviously, I, right. I was going to Chain Reaction a lot, but that was mostly for for metalcore shows. And so, sure. you know, going to L.A. and going to, like, a proper hardcore show in, a, in L.A., it was, like, a life-changing experience. And I'm just like, oh, my God, so this is it. Like, this is this is where I want to be. Yeah, it's like, no, I, I feel like if I if I had never found hardcore and then I went to that show, I would feel exactly the same. Yeah, it was insane. I remember that. That, that was uh, insane. Yeah, I remember the 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 first the first band that I saw that day was a band called Varials out of uh, uh, Pennsylvania. And they played that? Yeah, they played in the basement. Oh my god, they're huge now. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know that. They they played in the basement. They played in they called it the jewel room. And yeah, uh, yeah. so you know you do you remember how that room was set up where like the stage was like right next to the stairs? Of course. So um when when we saw them, they opened up with their song Stigmata and their vocalist goes, Do it, and the song kicks in, and somebody actually jumped off of that staircase over the stage, like into the crowd. <laughs> And it was ridiculous. Like that, I was like, "Oh, th- okay, cool." So that was my first exposure to a hardcore show was somebody jumping off of the stairs. See, that's over it's the so stage. funny that you say that because, like, when you're in hardcore for so long, you see one of those things and you're like, "Oh, nice." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, cool. He jumped jumped off the stairs. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go get a d- coke. You guys want yeah. anything? <laughs> uh, but like, but like, I do remember vividly when I saw something like that as like a teenager. It was like, "This is the greatest day of my life." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This, this exists. You can do this somewhere, like just. So it it is cool. Like it's it's. It, I I don't want to forget how magic those feelings are. So it's yeah. nice to have these conversations and hear and hear uh, experiences like that. Ah, uh, man, it was awesome. I just, I just remember being like, okay, so today's gonna be like the greatest day ever because <laughs> that was my, that that's, my first uh, that's step. Right, it's gonna be a long and day. That was, yeah, th- definitely a long day. But man, that <laughs> that was a good one. It was a fantastic. That was one. Show. That might have been the best one. Of the for the children that I that I personally played. I have to agree because I've I've since since that one I've been to pretty much everyone uh, since then uh, up until you know up until the post COVID apocalypse we're in now, but um mm-hmm. you know but I have to say that that was probably the best one that I've been to, and it was like that was pretty much what opened my eyes to hardcore as a whole, you know because you know I it was like here and there I was into a couple bands here a couple bands there but that really kind of showed me that there was a whole other thing i wasn't even scratching the surface of you know because so, like, it always you know. happens that way too oh you know? yeah absolutely people find people find the warp tour bands and and then like the whatever's related to them on spotify mm-hmm. and then they just get one little taste 
of the real shit, and it's game over. You said it, man. You're that's me that, out yeah, so hard. Right yeah, now. yeah that's, that's, that's <laughs> me, literally. But um, I don't, I don't even mean that in like a derogatory way. It's, it's no, awesome it, yeah. that there's there's some kind of gateway for everybody, but it always ends here. Yeah, I saw Jesus piece here, the knife, terror, and knock loose, and I was like, Oh, this Christ, is what yeah. this is. Okay, yeah, right, that, well, that was the, that was the first one I took him to. Yeah, I was like, Fuck, all right. That's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy, but um, uh, since that was actually a good segue, um, if if yeah, you don't mind taking a, a trip back in time with me, what was kind of the f- your first exposure to alternative music, hardcore music, you know, way back when? Because I know that you're in a, a pretty wide range of stuff. Like I know you did a Candle Mask cover on the early Twitching Tongue stuff. Uh, you know, like you had a Frampton shirt, which I didn't even know. I didn't think anybody <laughs> in California knew about Frampton. Um, yeah. on the back of the God's Hate stuff, and I know that you know you're into pretty much everything from like doom to crust punk to hardcore to metal to you know everything in between what was your kind of first exposure to alternative slash hardcore music you know back back when so uh, it, it taylor and i were very young when ex- exposed to hardcore music so it's like this has been my entire life mm-hmm. um i was probably like seven and he was like 11 or so mm. uh and we had an older brother we have an older brother who was friends with a bunch of Connecticut hardcore guys mm-hmm. who left just some some stuff in his car. And one of them was this band Grimlock, uh, The Thirst for Immortality 7-inch. And the first song on that is called Mountain of Power. And it's a song that Ruckus recorded a cover of. And that was the first hardcore song we ever heard. And it was just like the world stopped and, and nothing else mattered. I still feel that way when I hear that song. And it's like the, the recording is like so shot. Sounds like shit. <laughs> uh, but it's so fucking like raw and hard as fuck that uh, it's just this magical song to me. And it's this band that like rarely ever played out of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we tell people that, they're like, what? Seriously? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're, they're like legendary to us and probably us only. Um, and then... Uh, there, there was something called MTVX at the time that was like would be such an invaluable resource to people now because it was like all metal and hardcore all day. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so it was like I would I'd be in elementary school watching Biohazard and and sick of it all music videos mm-hmm. and uh, and I very quickly realized like yeah I think this is what I like like on top <laughs> of all the other stuff that like Pantera and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is this is what I like. I'd like to learn more about this. Right. So once I turned like thirteen or or fourteen or so, and had like the internet resource like like that, and like thanks lists of Taylor CDs, it was just a free for all, uh, learning as much as I could, and kind of if I liked a band, I wanted to know what bands they were friends with or what bands influenced them, and that that has never ended. So like right. if I hear a modern band, I'll I'll try to dissect like okay this is a this is a morbid angel part this is a kickback part like I I'm always looking at it trying to break it down to just understand what everybody likes. It's 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 yeah. funny you say that too because I actually did that with Twitching Tongues music because that was that was how I discovered you know Marauders how I discovered like um in like the kind of like 
similar artists, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Marauder, Life of Agony, which is how I found about Life of Agony, which is to this day one of my favorite oh, bands man, of all time. Oh, man, that's so cool that you say that. that you, that's awesome. Yeah, it's because, it's you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Life of Agony fan now, and, and if, I, if I had never found Twitching Tongues, I would have probably never found Life of Agony. Cause, that's um, crazy. Yeah, because, you know, I was looking at... Cause, you know, Twitching Tongues has such a unique style of, you know, your vocals over hardcore music. I was like, this is, this sounds dope, but no one else is doing this. Like, who else is doing this? And then yeah. I kind of go back a little bit, and I'm like, oh, okay, so they have a Candle Mass part here. They have a Life of Agony part here. It's like, okay, so then, you know, I break down what parts go where, and I get into more music that way. And it's like, okay, sick. Now I have this whole other world of, of music, and then I find bands through Life of Agony, and then I find bands through you know, candle mass, like find like different stuff like that. And it's like, a that's whole, how like, you do tree. it, man. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. And, and, uh, back in the day, I hate fucking saying that, uh, <laughs> before Spotify. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, when with metal archives, which is like the greatest resource for finding shit, uh, you could generally just Google a media fire link for anything and download it. And like that goes for like demos and whatever. And then Mediafire was like purged one day out of the blue and, and uh, looking for things on Metal Archives became impossible. But that's really all it is. Just like, okay, what does this band sound like? Uh, what else sounds like this? And it's just this never-ending cycle of finding new things. Did, did, did they rename the Metal Archives? I think it's like Encyclopedia Metallum or whatever it is now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's, 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 it's always been Metallum, but it, it, uh, I've... Metal Archives is the other name for it. Right, because um, I remember the first time I actually ever used Metal Archives was uh, I was in uh, a band way back in the day called Mortal Throne. It was it was nice. like it was it was like a, a garbage death metal band. I started it was me and someone that I used to hang out with a lot. And uh, uh, as a joke, a friend of mine uploaded our like page to metal archives and it got approved. And then, so all of a sudden <laughs> me and him had a page on metal archives, like as musicians. Oh, it's the coolest, man. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and remember he, he sent me, you uh, made it, kid. He, he literally, he sent me a, a screenshot of my page and he, he made a joke. He was like this, you, and I was like, is this a joke? And then I Googled it and it was real. And I was like, oh my God. But, it, but all the bands that are listed under my page are like all defunct and never released anything. So I'm just like, <laughs> I have to I have to like figure out a way to like upload what I'm doing now to that yeah, page because because I tried like three times and they didn't accept no. it so I'm just so like, like oh bah. no oh yeah <laughs> the I don't think they really. I think if they, they if they think it's you uh, editing your own shit then they won't let you do it oh, but, okay uh, for sure yeah that is it's such a cool feeling to me when like you'll see uh, like for instance because we're talking about this I just went to the Twitching Tongues Metal Archive now mm-hmm. and it says modified. 225. So somebody did something to this two weeks ago. Right. Uh, I love that. I love that somebody's out there just editing shit and fucking with stuff. Yeah, that's 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 like it's 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 cool to to you know have people that you know friends or not they pay attention to the archive your stuff because they like what you're doing and they're like this is cool. Other people cheer about this, you know, and then yeah. like and that's that's how how word of mouth travels. And that's kind of how how you know people get get a, a following, and it's it's cool when you know you have people that do that for you that you don't even know personally. You know, like 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 I can't even imagine what what that's like. You know, right? Yeah, it's, that's the coolest, man. Uh, it's like I don't know any of these people, mm-hmm. and they're they're just editing stuff and adding reviews and. 
changing little details about things that I've even forgotten about. And that's what's cool in that, man. Yeah, that's super cool. Just people, it's like, I, I used to take that kind of thing for granted. You know, it would be like, oh, this guy's like t- talking about our new record. Okay, cool. Uh, but now it's like anybody that says any, I think Disharmony is what did this to me. It was like, fuck, man. Nobody likes this. <laughs> so now it's like anybody that has anything nice to say, I realized like, oh, man, they're going out of their way to, to, uh, tell me something nice about what this thing that I busted my ass to do it. I, I, I at least owe them a thank you or a, a response in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I, I never, I guess I never noticed uh, that disharmony got as much, I guess, like as polarizing as a record as it was because I, I mean, obviously I'm biased cause I'm here in Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. you know, um, cause everybody I've talked to was like, oh, this is the sickest thing ever. But I actually didn't know that it was a polarizing record when it came out. I had no clue. So, yeah. You know, so I think it, I think it got like a two out of 10 in decibel. What? Jesus yeah. Christ. So it's like instantly our, our like morale was just shattered. Oh my god! It was gosh, like, man, imagine. we're, we're, yeah. So that was just like, uh, uh okay. Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the point of it? So yeah, that, that something like that, and then I and then a couple oh, months oh, later, Turnstile got. Although to say Pitchfork and Decibel, I'm not really. I don't pay attention to them because they 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 don't dish out very good very nice reviews to hardcore music. <laughs> no, and it happens all the time. Like like you said, like Turnstile got like a three in Pitchfork or something. Yeah, Pitchfork and Decibel and, are and, not and reliable. People, people <laughs> came to their defense, which you know that was nice to see. Yeah, because um, music journalism is is. For the most part, a, a crock of shit. Yeah, like Pitchfork, um, Decibel, Lamb Goat, like those three. They're they're very much elitist, like nineteen eighty five thrash and death metal only. Anything else just is garbage to them, you know. So it's like, eh. It also know. depends on the guy because sometimes sometimes they it's they give it to the guy they give the review to the guy who actively dislikes your band already. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of people like on the on the Decibel Lambo roster, whoever, um, who like want to review something because they like it, and mm-hmm. that's when it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. like, like today, I don't know if you guys like uh like the DC movies and stuff. Um, but this guy Matt Goldberg, who writes for the website Collider, mm-hmm. he's like notoriously just a fucking jaded asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And after four years of trying to get this Zack Snyder Justice League yes. made, they give the review to this guy of all people. Oh man! So they give it to the guy who they who like they know is going to shit on it, uh-huh. rather than somebody at their staff who likes it. So right. that's 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 the classic dance in journalism where that kind of thing is is going to get more clicks than uh, than just like this is good. Yeah, it's funny you yeah. bring up the Snyder cut because when you said you were doing a movie podcast, I was like, oh. So the so the Snyder cut? What do you think? <laughs> I was like, I'm ready for it. Yeah, That's we're me. talking about it on Wednesday. I can't wait. We've oh, been talking yeah. about it on the podcast for four years. So it's crazy. <laughs> that it's a real thing. Damn movie. That's also awesome. The, the, yeah, the trailer man. on Twitter came out like yesterday or something like that. Or maybe today. My girlfriend sent it to me and I was like, holy shit, this looks There's good. a new trailer every damn day. Yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. avoiding I've been avoiding the past like five of them because oh, really? I just I don't want to see any more. Right. <laughs> if you're gonna give me a four hour movie, give me four hours <laughs> yeah, of shot right. at all. Because I didn't know, because I, I, I didn't watch the first one at all. Mm-hmm. and then It's my, a pile of shit. It, one great big pile of shit. Correct. And my girlfriend was like, oh, like, don't watch it. Just watch the Snyder Cut. And I was yeah. like, hold on. Let me see how bad this fucking movie is. So when I see the four-hour oh. movie, 
like I could compare it, and I'm, I watch, I got like the 45 minutes of it, and I was like, fuck, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I, could, I couldn't it's get so through bad. it. I really couldn't get through it. Fuck it. There it was like an asshole. I tried to do it again recently just to brush up, yeah, and I right. thought maybe, maybe an hour nope. in. I was like, yeah, this is, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but on the other hand, Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Cut is the shit. It was funny. Yeah. Our, our, our producer was watching that right before we right before you called. He was like, <laughs> like as he was making dinner, he was like, "Oh, the they just released his cut." I was like, "Oh, the Snyder cut of of uh, Batman v Superman." He said it was really good too. Yeah, fucking, I love it. I'm still waiting for the Snyder cut of Sucker Punch, man. Like oh, I've been waiting for. I forgot. I've been waiting he did for. That. Oh yeah, I've been waiting for so long. Uh-oh. <laughs> for so yeah, long. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that one's ever gonna get the same campaign. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I would love it. God, I would love it. I would love if Zack Snyder's just like I'm gonna stop making real movies and just go back to all the shit that flopped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, I'm gonna spend the rest of my career fucking making up for better movies. Because because like you know, that's his problem punch. is he can't yeah. make a movie that's under three hours long. He, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know how to tell a story in in, in less than three hours. Yeah. It sucked because like I was such a sucker punch fan, but it left me like there was so many holes i'm just like i need more yeah exactly but it's like yeah, it's, you know it's rough man poor kid trying yeah. his best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying his damnedest but you know but um but yeah kind of kind of going back a little bit what you know whether it be here or you know out of state overseas what what has been your favorite venue to play just kind of like universally like, okay, we're going to have a good show here no matter what. And why is it in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> you know, funny enough, it's not in L.A. Oh, fuck. Because L.A. warmed up to us a little bit slower than the Bay Area did. Yeah, the Bay, the Bay uh, is pretty. The Bay Area yeah. was, was like our, our home to play shows first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gilman is, Gilman is the venue where it's like this, Every time we play it, it's the best show we've ever played. Awesome. Like every, the next time is the best show we've ever played again. Gotcha. That's so sick. So I, I, I think that if it, when shows open back up and you guys see something cool happening there, you should, you should take a drive up. And yeah. A hundred percent. It's actually kind of funny you say that because I actually headlined my first ever headlining show up in the Bay. It was a place called the District mm-hmm. Theater in a town called Gilroy. Um, it's, it's yeah. about, it's about an hour and a half, uh, south of, of, uh, Sacram or San Francisco rather. And, um, we, it, Your, I, that's where the garlic is, right? Yes. Yep. That's the town. <laughs> right. And, uh, my whole band is except for, well, former band, except for our singer, um, is from that town. And so mm. everybody up there, cause most of the members, except for two of them live here in LA, um, they moved down, but all of their connections are still up there. So we were able to kind of build a, build a following in on uh, down here and up there. And so Ooh. when we were deciding to to play our first show, we were like, okay, well, we're gonna do it in LA. We're gonna do it in the Bay. And we're like, let's just do it in the Bay because we know that there are people that are gonna go go, go crazy up there. So yeah, so yeah. So like we planned our whole headlining show. We we headlined at the District Theater. Um, actually, I think we were the first band to ever headline the District Theater. Because I don't think they had shows there before. That's awesome. Yeah, but but it was awesome. It was like it was my favorite show I've ever played to this day. My favorite show I've ever played. There you go, man. The yeah. Bay. It's no joke. Uh, that I knew. We knew that very early on, and that's why bands like Gulch and Drain and Hands of God yeah. are like so so. They're so special to me. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, those are all. That's the group of kids that were there. Like as I was playing the bay for the first time like those those 15 people were the ones going off at every show that i played there that was like where every time it'd be like yeah this is the best show ever yeah and then they all started bands that are awesome so i i see like i see gold's doing well and drain doing well and i i get like legit emotional because it's like 
those are my boys, man. Yeah, those are those are so the cool. those were the those were the I I don't like I'm not I don't want to say kids because they're not kids now, but like they <laughs> were the kids that like made those shows so special for us. Right. And that's, then they just made bands that are fucking awesome. Yeah, that's so and, sick. And finally, are, do that themselves, and it's the shit. That's so cool to see. Yeah. So I I have to ask you this because since I heard this song, it's been bothering me. Uh, you you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But this is kind of just a me question. Like this is just me being a music nerd question. Um, when you wrote Preacher Man, what was your kind of? I know this is kind of like a totally left field question, but it's, it's gonna bother me if I don't ask you this. Um, what was the kind of inspiration for for writing that? Um, there is nothing metaphorical about that song. Oh really? It is a it is a literal telling of an actual event in in my life um uh the first it's kind of like i I wrote the song there's a couple songs on that record that are told like stories like uh from different perspectives but Mm -hmm. that's the first one um that song is like me as a kid in the first verse me as like a like a young adult teenager in the second verse and the last one is like i'm singing as my dad Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I don't think that that's like super clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's a literal, if, if, if you read that, the, the lyrics now, knowing, uh, what I've just said, it'll, it'll be pretty clear of what happened. But right. uh, yeah, that, that is, there's no, uh, no metaphor, no, nothing made up, uh, in that, in that song. It's just, uh, it's just like my, it was my artistic way of dealing with a, a family situation. That's crazy. I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah. What uh, I guess when you know when you write your lyrics, do you do you tend to draw more inspiration from, you know, do you do you turn it to like personal like like do you look inward first or do you kind of find things that kind of just pop in your head or is it like first come first serve whichever pops into your head first whether it be you know uh movies just a cool idea for a song or you know personal experiences like what what's kind of your your go to when it comes to writing lyrics. Well, it depends on the song. Um, I would say for like the softer ballad type stuff, I, I, it's like I have to go personal. I can't help it. Right. Um, so it's like I don't. It's like the song writes itself, and I'm really just kind of lose control, um, especially with stuff on the on gaining purpose. Like Long Gone was about my brother's divorce, and I just kind of just like I had the I had the chorus first, and it was like, man, this is gonna be so fucking easy, and that one just flew out of me. Forgive and Remember was about my cat dying. Um, and then uh, that turned into that, the whole like bridge section of like, well, why don't I just kill myself? Like that was the most fun I've ever had, right? That, the bridge section of Forgive and Remember, the like, uh-huh. the, uh, that whole part was like, that's like my favorite Twitching Tones part, aside from uh kill for you the song which was like my that song and in, in itself was like my personal pet project for like two full years wow i um, wow yeah that was that was i i put it all into that one so uh I, i'm glad that that one has kind of increased in in plays like that's kind of it looks like that's one of our top songs on the a hundred percent on the streamings now. Yeah. And we haven't played a show in over two years, so two years. So I don't know what, what people are listening to from our discography, but yeah, that one uh, was, a was a personal, huge personal endeavor for me. Um, That's awesome. But yeah. Sometimes with, with things like gaining purpose, I'll be inspired by like another song. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, where I'll just hear something and be like, I want to write something like that. Um, yeah. There's this song called Ring the Ring the Bells by a band called James. And they're just like a British pop rock band. And uh, the bridge section of that song inspired Scanning Purpose. Wow. It's like uplifting in like a powerful way. And I kind of turned it into like a darker version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that became the, what the title track of the album. And then sometimes I'll have a cool song title and I'll write around it. Like the sound of pain. I knew I wanted to do. Right. Uh, and it was like, yeah, I'll just write some scary shit or like some, some pain. I'll write about pain <laughs> <laughs> for this one. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is, it definitely varies by song. And with the, with the new God's hate record, it's, it was cool. Cause uh, Brody and I have this way of like deciphering each other's thoughts. Mm-hmm. He is like he's like the Incredible Hulk, and I'm Bruce Banner. You know, we are one collective mind, right? Uh, artistically, so he'll be like, "I want to say this," and then it'll be like, "Okay, well, here's how we say this," mm-hmm. and then we'll both be like, "All right, great, we did it. Let's go to In and Out." Uh, <laughs> and that that's basically like every God's Hate lyric writing session between the two. Nice. That's awesome. Like, here's what we want to say. Here's how we say it. Mm. Done. It's funny you bring that comparison up because it's almost literally two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's actually really cool you say that. And kind of bringing that full circle around to God's hate. Um, is there any? I mean, obviously, if if this is top secret information, you don't have to say. Um, do you guys have any plans to do any videos for God's hate, or is that kind of not a thing that God's hate does? Because I noticed that with the past releases, you guys haven't done any music videos. Yeah, we never had the opportunity. Um, We've got a crazy idea for one. Ah, so okay. Hopefully, hopefully it works out. It's like bonkers. <laughs> so, uh, if we're able to uh, to get some change together and, and make it happen, it's going to be a wild one. I mean, you know, uh, I know that that uh, you and Taylor especially have kind of a track record for making amazing videos. You know, n- noting the oh, uh, the Harakiri, the Harakiri I, video, and you know the the Insincerely Yours video are two of my favorite, favorite music videos oh, ever. Oh, dude, you're incredible! Thank you so much. <laughs> the, the Insincerely video was like that's the most fun thing we've I've ever gotten to do. That was dude, that was the coolest thing. That was just like he and I fucking around with a camcorder and being like, let's just do let's just do the wackiest shit we can do. <laughs> yeah, I remember when that and came that, out, I remember showing all my friends, I'm like, you guys have to watch this video. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. Because it, it, I think it only has like 20,000 views on YouTube or something, which for a music video is like terrible on like a major metal label. Mm-hmm. But dude, that thing, I love that video. And then the Harakiri video was like, all right, we finally have like uh, a label budget to do mm-hmm. this. Right. Uh, let's just let's uh, let's make Uncle Sam kill himself. Yeah, I remember <laughs> at, the, at the very end of the of the track when when you know you had Har- uh, Uncle Sam commit Harakiri. I remember the look on Sean's yeah. face. I was like, "This is incredible! Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life." Like, Dude, it was that amazing. day was so fucked up. It was <laughs> so that was the very last day of I think a the hate the first hate tour we did. Oh, okay. Um, it was like zero degrees outside oh, and that Jesus. video was in was in a warehouse that was like negative five degrees oh my god so and the blood was like freezing cold <laughs> so essentially we're all covered in blood at like two in the morning right uh we we go and take a shower and we drive home and we're all sick the next day like oh, the no. entire band was like totally run down shot like flu cold everything 
so uh, we're glad that I'm glad that that one turned out the way it did, considering the physical risks that were taken. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, the, those, those two videos are like two of my favorite he's videos. Like, he's like, you know, I caught pneumonia yeah, for that. Awesome. <laughs> uh, that's what we, we were like. We're all we're all gonna die. And this is the end of our legacy. Rip the band, rip it. everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, but before we wrap up, uh, now that I guess now that there's not going to be any shows for the foreseeable future, but there is rumors that in a couple of months that they're going to be opening up concert venues, stuff like that. What's kind of, you know, first on the docket for, for the, uh, uh, the Van Nuys hardcore crew? Oh man, that's a good question. First of all, um, get vaccinated as fuck. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> back up. Um, I would say probably LA and the Bay area are, mm-hmm. are first. Right. Gotta do it. Okay. So would, would you guys just kind of be doing, doing like a couple of one-off shows or maybe planning like, you know, like, a, I don't know. I feel like every band that's been waiting to tour for two years is going to just like go crazy. And there's going to be a billion tours at the same time. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it'll be kind of redundant to just like, Hop on a tour, basically. Kind of, yeah, hop yeah. on a, somebody else's big tour. Yeah. Um, right. I just don't know if that'll that'll hit the way that it uh, will be intended to. So I think just kind of go where we're wanted to go. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if if the offers come in, we will we will field them uh, with an open mind. Yeah. And, and uh, not say not say I won't say no uh, as uh, as willingly as I as I use as I once did. Right, yeah, it's actually you know because um our 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 friend Sam Laponis from Mark Life actually said that it's like when 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 shows come back they're gonna be so many tours like ah shit which one do I go to because there's so many happening at it's once. gonna be chaos yeah it's gonna be there's gonna be a when whenever it's like the first one pops off there's gonna be ten announced yeah. the next oh, yeah. day and it's 100%. just gonna be non-stop. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna have money. It's gonna be a, a, probably gonna be a disaster for the first like <laughs> two months. six or seven months. Yeah, of yeah. Um, but then it, but then it'll it'll kind of regulate. I'm guessing next late like the end of next year is when I, I suspect <laughs> that things will be like relatively normal. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but we'll see. I just can't wait for the first the first big SoCal hardcore festival after oh quarantine. God. It's gonna be nuts. Oh yeah, me too, man. It's, it's gonna be, be so bad because people have been cooped up and angry for so yeah. long. People are gonna be like, yeah. "Here we go." Exactly. Yeah, but um, that's the best part. <laughs> Everybody's been practicing at home. <laughs> God, I cannot tell you how many how many people I've seen like in their living room, Dude. you know, two stepping and floor the punching and, and stuff like that. You know, like crowd clean, crowd clean the couches and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah like, that's, that's what I like to see. Yeah. That's the fuel. That's that's what I need. To, that's that's what I'm trying to provide yeah. fuel for them to to, to start practicing to like, coming back soon. That's yeah, the this, this cap. I'm always angry. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. Um, I had one more question. I don't remember what it was. This what's next, I guess. No, that was that was the, that was the album. Oh, sorry. Um, so the guitar that you use for God's Hate, who makes that guitar? I've been looking for it everywhere, and I can't seem to find it because it's 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 a dope looking guitar. It's a one of one custom, brother. Ooh. Really? It is made of steel. Oh, what the? Just literally steel. Yeah, it's a comp- Yes, That's it's crazy. literally a steel guitar. It is covered in rust. Um, it is it is a. Uh, Kind of falling apart, but it's it still sounds insane. It is by a company called Hamilton Steel Guitars, who no longer makes guitars because every single one takes like a year to make. Right. Uh, yeah, it's 
and I, I, my brother got one made from him and he had that other one like halfway done because somebody commissioned it from him and then bailed. Oh no. So he was like, Hey man, just give me like 500 bucks and I'll finish this for you. Wow. Uh, so 500 bucks later, I, I had a one of one, one of a kind custom steel guitar. That's insane. So, uh, yeah. It's fucking awesome. That's so cool. That was what I was going to ask you. Uh, other, other than the, the guitar question. Um, what has been your favorite LA show that you've played from, I guess, you know, from then till now? Cause you know, I know you played with God's hate it at Woma, which was, we're so, we're so rest, sad about that closing rest in peace. We should go to shows that are all the uh, time. What, we dude, love Woma. That was like, that could have been, that could have had it all, you know, yeah. if white Oak would have been able to be open, like we wanted to do our, uh, we have we were planning something cool for there a couple mm-hmm. years ago. I can't remember what it was, but man, it was it was the coolest um, coolest LA show I've ever played or been to. Uh, dealer's choice, whichever one. Yeah. Okay, played. Uh, I feel like so there was this Switching Tongues show at Aladdin Junior the day before we flew to Europe, um, right before the Army came out, and it was just this magical beautiful night um there's a, there's a video online of of eyes with just and world war five from that show that are just so awesome and i i will always vividly remember that one because it was like we worked so fucking hard for so many years just to like be kind of accepted at home and that was the one where it was like all right we're doing this local headlining show and it's sold out and it's amazing and I don't, that had never happened before. So it was, it was this beautiful, memorable, magical night for us. Yeah. That's so cool. But that uh, one sticks with us. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. One of my favorite ones that there was a show that we went to, um, I think it was two, it was two or three years ago, um, where you guys played, uh, in downtown LA with Code Orange and, uh, um, it was like 117 degrees outside. Oh yeah. And I remember standing in line waiting to get inside and then once everybody got inside it got as hot inside as it did outside because of all the bodies just moving. Was this uh what year was, was I this think it was at the, the Regent, wasn't it? I think it was at the Regent. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was on the the last tour we ever did. Oh really? Oh that's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's that, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite favorite Twitching Tongues memories cuz I just remember Yeah, like, that was that was amazing. Honestly, that was that one was a a surprise for us. We never know what it's going to be like at home. So that was that was beautiful. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day to to, to talk to us to us uh music geeks. Of course. <laughs> um thank you for thank you for being music geek. <laughs> yeah, man. It's our pleasure. It's definitely our more than our pleasure. Um where can the people find you? Go ahead and plug yeah, away, plug away. your socials and everything. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Colin Young, but the V is a uh, the U is a V instead of a U. You know. Nice. Cool. Yeah, you can find me there. I'll be on there. And nice. then uh, check out the Real Deal podcast for all you uh, mu- uh, movie people and cinephiles out there looking for your more more movie podcasts. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully, once the world normalizes, we'll have you back on. Maybe in person if you if you're down to come down to the studio and. And, uh, yeah, sounds good. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, right, man. Take it easy. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will catch you guys in the next episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Strawberry Death Machine, all one word. We have a YouTube channel where we do uh, 
uh, music reactions, Strawberry Death Machine, all one word. God's Good. Hate Reaction coming soon. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. We, we have, have loaded reaction. up on deck. That's yeah, right. yeah, we recorded one like the day before the album dropped. Yeah, so <laughs> subscribe, subscribe so you can uh, check that out. For real. Uh, TikTok at uh, SDM Podcast. Nice. All, all right, right y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Catch you guys the next episode. Deuces. Bye. Bye.